This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Here we go. Money conversations in early stages of relationships are difficult. I compromise all the time. We face harder choices. We got the house. Oh, my mother said, when you get older, I wish you'd hurry and get older so that you would settle down and marry a rich man. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. Hello and welcome to another episode of Meet, Pay, Love, a podcast where we talk all about money and relationships. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we are recording and listening to this podcast on today. We pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Now, my name is Zoe and as always, I'm here with my sister Carmel. Hello, Carmel. Hello, Zoe. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And I would suggest that if you're brand new to the show, you should go back and start from the start because we cover a lot of the really important issues in our first episode, such as de facto relationships, moving in when you're in a relationship, joining bank accounts, those kind of issues early on. And so today we're tackling a bit of a different topic. It's not an issue, I wouldn't say. It's more the fact that There are so many different cultural backgrounds that we come from that really tailor our consumer behavior in the way we treat money. What are your thoughts on this, Carmel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my partner and I come from a very similar background, um, religious wise, you know, we both went to the same kind of school um, in different states, but, um, you know, we both come from similar kind of um, socioeconomic background. We both have similar-ish ideas, although I'd say I'm probably more um, tuned in to finances. But I haven't really experienced in my relationship many cultural differences, apart from the fact that Pete's dad is Italian and, you know, they love Italian food. (laughs) But apart from that, there's like nothing really that's culturally different. Um, how about you? Yeah, so my partner is Thai. He's half Australian, half Thai. And we have some cultural differences. It's not necessarily the way we view money, but it's more our consumer behaviour and the kind of the financial goals that we set, like how we look at our financial futures, whether we're looking more long-term or short-term goals. I definitely say maybe this isn't a cultural thing or religious, um, but he does look more short-term than I, and I look more long-term, but that's probably just from the way we were brought up in our own families. So, yeah, this is a very uh, personal topic to me. And while I haven't noticed a huge amount of differences between us except for those long-term or short-term goals, I did kind of sit down with Ollie and discuss with him what he sees as different because he's got a unique perspective being having lived in Thailand and Australia, being from both sides of the family and spending time with them and how they've done it. And so he says that most of his family in Thailand will manage money in a different way, whereas families tend to live together for longer and different generations, multi-generations in one house. So, like, rather than having just us, Carmel, so you, me, mum, dad and Hannah, they would have grandma, grandpa, aunties, uncles and everyone. And they'd also all live mostly on the same street in Thailand. So you'd have, like, a whole street of just your family so everyone was around each other. I love that. Yeah, it's really nice and communal. When I went to stay with his dad, it was like his aunties were next door and there was a cute little baby running around. <laughs> I really love that. It's like, you know, raising – I know he's, he didn't grow up in a village per se, but it's like it takes a village to raise a child. 
that idea that I just like the idea that it's all hands on deck. Everyone's there to support everyone. Um, and you can be lucky in Australia and find that with your neighbors or you can deliberately move with family, but it's not the cultural norm that and maybe is becoming more of a cultural norm with the affordability of houses living with family for longer, but you wouldn't really have your aunties, uncles, grandparents necessarily living with you. No, but this is also a way that they've just, they split costs. And so they're not, they're not spending so much money on land and housing because they're all kind of living in a more communal space. At least that's Ollie's experience. And we do talk to people, um, we do talk to someone from a Cambodian background who has a similar sort of experience. And so we're not generalizing this. It's not going to be everyone's experience, but it is a common theme within those communities, which is really lovely. I wanted to just touch back on something that you said at the start of this introduction, which was your consumer behaviors. I guess that's a marketing term because I not something that's just in my day-to-day vocab. Yes, very marketing term. It's basically the way we buy and spend our money on different products and everything. So I think Ollie himself has a very, um, he'll save up for, for something that he wants quite quickly. Whereas, and no, you know what? I'm not going to say that's just him. I think I'm definitely like that as well. And probably that's why we work really well. As Do you a mean couple. impulsive? Not impulsive. Like we'll save up for it and think about it. We're not buying things impulsively, except, okay, I did just buy him a PlayStation VR headset for his birthday. How much are they? 400 bucks. I just bought noise cancelling headphones for about that. Yeah, see, it's like little things that you save up for. I know he and I like love buying gifts for each other as well. And so we'll always spend a lot of money on gifts for each other. But it's more those sort of, he's not planning on buying a house anytime soon. He wants to go back to Thailand as well. So that means that I would have to get a visa to go with him which comes with a whole new set of issues. I would only be able to get maybe a three month visa, maybe a little bit more, or we could get married to stay there for longer. To live in Thailand, I can't own any land because I'm not a Thai citizen, but he can. So I'd have to, we'd have to invest in land together, but it wouldn't be under my name. So we'd have to come to some sort of financial agreement if we were to move to Thailand and deal with all those issues as Mm, well. Yeah, sounds complicated, but I mean, relationships everywhere are complicated not just if you're I mean maybe particularly so if you've got different countries and different passports and visas I think that probably does add an extra layer but I mean everyone's got their own complexities well the other thing is is that although visas and and land ownership and financial futures being entangled if we move to Thailand because he has more rights than I would um the difference is currency as well like the Thai but is a fluctuating currency. And so they tend to invest in more commodities. And so rather than accumulating wealth in cash or stocks, they would purchase land or gold or jewelry and that's how they would hold their money. Right. Which is a bit different to how we view it here. Yeah. At least that's Ollie's family. So that's why he's told me from his family. Again, we don't want to generalize. I think everyone's family do different things. Yeah. So today's episode is really just a facilitating a discussion, I suppose, about different families, how that influences you when you're growing up and how, yeah, different families approach money. And um, then when couples come together from different cultural and racial backgrounds. Yeah, we're just talking about the fact that we can't expect everyone to have the same view of money 
as we do going into a relationship. There's always going to be differences because we're going to have grown up in a different scenario, whether it was Adelaide and Melbourne or Thailand and Australia there's always going to be a difference because he also spent time up in far north Queensland, which completely different, again, culturally than Melbourne. So there's just, we've got to acknowledge it. We talked to some people from our community who one person is a refugee and has experienced, um, I suppose, levels of poverty growing up or a single parent. Um, and then someone from a much more privileged background where money really wasn't an issue growing up. And it's funny when you're a kid, how you don't have that concept of what's normal um, in society, I suppose. You just see what you have in front of you and you just, you you know, just accept your circumstances really because you don't know anything else. Um, no one that we speak to says, oh, I had a terrible upbringing. I don't think everyone's grateful for where that, you know, it's part of who you are. It's, it's brought you to where you are today. It's, it's essential to your, you being you. But then again, I can only talk to my own experiences and my experiences with Ollie when I asked him what he thought of the differences were. But we did reach out to a few members of our community to see what they experienced as well because I wanted to get more of a general idea if this was something that we all kind of think about. So we're just going to talk to them right now. Now we're going to hear from Jen and Andrew. Jen and Andrew are members of our community. Andrew has a background of Cambodian and both of his parents came to Australia as refugees. He's in a relationship with Jen. Jen grew up in Australia and has an Australian family. And the men in Jen's family worked predominantly in finance and accounting. And this has meant that she was raised with a deeper understanding of finances. And it's something that she's brought into her relationship with Andrew. And they talk very openly to us about how their different backgrounds have influenced them today and what their approach together is to money and their financial goals. Uh, My name's Andrew. I'm 29. I am working in marketing uh, for the Multicultural Youth Advocacy Network, so sort of advocacy organization. Hey, I'm Jen, I'm 25, and I am a visual artist and I do a bit of marketing as well and um, an arts kind of workshops and facilitation. So just a bit of context is that my, both my parents came to the country as refugees from Cambodia, so that might help inform the reasons why we had a certain approach to money. I guess firstly, like my parents, they only bought stuff that was on sale, like I mean everything, like you go to Coles apart from milk, everything is on sale is what they purchased. So every dollar and every cent mattered, I guess, in what, what you spent. Cambodian migrant families, like they, they live together for all, you know, like all my cousins and stuff, they lived in their house up until 30 basically or even, even longer, some of them, even though they were working full time, had like, you know, businesses that they were running but they were still living with their family. So. I think it was wild for my parents to even be like, you know, it's 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 normal actually for people to move out and pay rent because they, they feel like rent is like burning money in a sense, be putting it towards a house. But they've gone past that and I've gone past that as well. So I think that was a relearning for both myself in a sense because of what my parents had approach of and also for them too. I have a sister as well and whoever has to do these big things first, they have to have the conversation and then it's easier for the next person. So, I didn't even have the conversation. But for my mom, my sister, it was like a screaming argument kind of thing. Like, why are you leaving? Do you hate us? Um, It's just like, I just want to be independent. And it was just screaming, blah, blah, blah about all these things. 
but then they got over it. And then when, when it was my turn, nothing happened at all. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but at the same time, like our parents just, they just want us to be happy. My dad is an accountant, a self-employed one. I didn't realize how much I guess I internalized knowledge about taxes and I can go to him to ask about, yeah, just like basic things and, um, and get advice in that sense. And his father as well, um, his dad was a real like investor in shares, which I mean was kind of ironic in that he lived in um, a really like quite simple life, but he, I think he went through the depression, like this my grandfather, I mean, and um, I think saw shares as like a way of, I don't know, just like accumulating wealth for future generations of his family, like feeds into my mind now of going like, okay, how do I like, how do we make a stable life? Like, can I look into that? Like, who would I invest with? And maybe I've got a lot more confidence in doing that just by simply hearing about it being spoken or, you know, around the table or hearing about my dad's work or I would do like data entry for him sometimes. So it's not this like completely foreign idea about, you know, claiming deductions in your tax. Whereas I know for a lot of people, like you just, people don't do that because it's, we, there's so much like, I guess, fear or it costs money to pay for an accountant to give you that advice and all that kind of thing. So, um, but I think, yeah, we've both kind of started talking about it more and yeah, I don't know if it was something I necessarily instigated, but definitely has maybe again, yeah, had that kind of confidence or initial just like a uh, sense of comfort with the idea knowing that like, it works and it's um, it's possible and my parents definitely do not invest in shares but it's uh yeah interesting i think even shares and investing and stuff like it was really interesting that they were always sort of against debt they paid off their mortgage as fast as they could they always pay everything on time uh, they were like super opposed to getting a credit card which i think also influenced my thoughts on what debt looks like and i remember once i went to a bank and they signed me up to a credit card and the next day I canceled the credit card because I was so worried about owing someone money. I think that I was able to appreciate a lot of things that we did get uh, every now and then maybe over Christmas um, as well, even though we didn't celebrate it. So, even though there was like uh, sometimes scarcity of things, I was really able to value things. Thanks so much, Andrew and Jen, for reaching out. I actually found what you had to say quite relatable, even though... Thailand and Cambodia are completely different places. It, it was refreshing to hear it from another person's perspective. Luckily, we've got even more perspectives to share because we had Sasha reach out, who is of a Malaysian background, and talks about her relationship with her partner, Chris, who was born in Australia. Sasha was expected to contribute to the family from a young age and didn't really know how to manage her money well. And she discusses how this was different from Chris, who had a more independent upbringing. Hi, my name's Sasha. I'm 27. I currently work as a disability employment consultant, working with deaf, hard of hearing, blind, low vision community, as well as LGBTIQ people with any disability. I have been with my partner for uh, nearly six years now, six years in June, and we originally met online on OkCupid. My family uh, moved over to Australia from Malaysia. so. My mum is, she's on one side, she's Chinese Malaysian and her father is Filipino. Uh, on my dad's side, both his parents came from China and um, moved to Malaysia. So there's about like three, I guess, three de generations of migrants. 
Chris, my partner, um, she actually was born in the country. So she is white and uh, grew up around Bright, which is in northeastern Victoria. Her background, her mother's side is um, Irish and her father's side is English. Culturally, money was something that my family kind of always controlled until I started working. So I got my first job when I was about 15. I started at Macca's. But up until that point, like, I didn't really have the system that a lot of, uh, it seemed like my white Australian friends had, which was um, like they would get pocket money for doing chores. Uh, I didn't really have that. For me, it was more like I was expected to contribute to the family and if I needed any money for anything, I would just ask my parents and they would give it to me. Before I went out with all my friends, I would, you know, ask my mum or whoever, like, oh, I want to go to the movies, it's probably going to cost this much. And then, you know, if I wanted to go shopping or something, I could negotiate with her um, how much she'd give me. I think I was always raised pretty frugally. So I definitely kept an attitude of, you know, I wouldn't ask my parents for money a lot. So I very much keep this idea of not really wanting to spend more than I have to. Now that I've got a full-time job, that's kind of eased a bit, but definitely when I was studying and, you know, not making the amount of money that I'm making now, I was always really savings motivated. And that's something that my parents definitely instilled in me. They definitely had a very strong attitude of save things for a rainy day and I integrated that into my own life. Chris was a lot more independent before I was. I only moved out of home when I was pretty much finishing up my studies. Uh, I ended up moving to a share house that Chris was already staying in. So because Chris grew up in the country, as soon as she finished high school, she came to Melbourne to study. So she moved out of home pretty much after she finished year 12. So from then, she was managing her own finances, paying rent. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely had plenty of conversations about how our different cultures and upbringing in general has affected our lives, less so financially. But, you know, when I was living with my parents, she was obviously very aware of that. And when I moved out, actually, my parents weren't very happy about it. It wasn't really something that they expected or something that was done, um, what they wanted uh, and expected me to do was basically to keep living with them until I started working full time and was, uh, I guess, preparing to get married. So like, I've, I've never been someone who's wanted to get married. So Chris and I have been together for a very long time and we're very committed. But very early on, we established that marriage was not something that uh, we wanted to do. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy or perfect. You know, I think Chris and I, because we've been together for such a long time and because we've both actively worked on our relationship for such a long time, um, other people tend to get the impression that we were always perfect or that it was easy for us. And, you know, I don't think it was particularly easier for us than other couples. I think it was just that we both have very similar values in that we both value communication so that when we do have things disagreements or stuff difficult things to talk about we both prioritize dealing with that even though it might be unpleasant rather than just kind of festering problems I guess. 
Thanks so much, Sasha, for reaching out to us and coming on the show. It's so great to hear your perspective and for you to speak so openly to us. One of the funny things that I find is how two people can have such different upbringings, but then come to the same place. (laughs) They end up with really similar goals for different reasons. So whether it be, you know, your parents had lots of money and you wanted to make sure that you were financially stable to give your kids the same upbringing. Or if you didn't have the money to buy brand new clothes and you needed to op shop and maybe that gave you some that same kind of drive to make sure that you were independent. It's just, you can come from so many different places and end up with a similar money mindset. There's a common theme throughout the world that we're, we're different, but we're not that different, are we? <laughs> we, we, we come from different backgrounds and different religions and different languages, but we all have the common goals of wanting to look after ourselves and our family. And I think that's what we got to take away from this, that you can't expect anyone to be exactly like you, but you also can expect that they would have nice values in place. <laughs> nice values, yeah. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> Plus, also, if you're in a relationship, common theme, if you're in a relationship, you want similar goals. Now we're going to cut to a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to hear from more members of our community on their upbringing and how that's influenced them in their relationship. Uh, so, hi, my name's Tom. I'm a accountant working in Geelong, mostly doing tax and small business advisory. I, Mahima and I met at university and we've recently... I guess in the last six months, gotten engaged and about a year and a half ago, bought a house together. My name's Mahima. I'm 25. I'm a lawyer in the Geelong district as well. have been practicing for about three years. I met Tom at uni through some mutual friends. And yeah, we've built a small life together, bought a house um, a year and a half ago and got engaged engaged recently and um, yeah planning some more things in the future. We, we have our um, strengths and weaknesses. Shares was something that I never really grew up around so um, I, I don't really know what it is but um, I get the general gist um, and I think a lot of it's a bit of bit of trust with Tom um, and I think that sort of just comes with the partnership. Hi I'm Alexandra and I'm 28 years old and I'm a doctor. Uh, my name is James, I'm 26 years old uh, and I'm a paediatric doctor. So my mum is an immigrant from Serbia and she's a single mum who raised um, my older brother and myself. So growing up money was definitely not in abundance and uh, definitely have become very mindful of my money, especially as a university student, you know, working and studying etc you have to learn to be you know very financially responsible i guess uh so growing up i guess i went i came from a middle class white family we have the same financial goals um, and aims but in terms of our approach to i guess everyday spending or you know indulgences there's a difference i tend to sit on my decisions for a couple of days for a big purchase, for example, before I press submit. Whereas James, I think, is much more ready to, you know, make bigger purchases for himself and indulge. So I guess when you ask, you know, what our approach was to money and how that sort of impacts 
how I sort of think about money now. It's kind of difficult to answer because I guess it's never really been a discussion that I've frankly had or ever seen frankly had. And I think that's just because we've always been, I, I was always sort of very comfortable growing up money-wise, you know, uh, especially with, you know, private school education. And uh, if there was ever anything that I you know, desperately wanted, there was never a sort of, uh, I guess, discussion about, you know, whether or not it was affordable or whether or not we could have it. And I guess that sort of leaks in, as Sandra alluded to now, to sort of my own opinion, with oh, my, my, my behaviour with money now, in the sense that I, I do tend to uh, make more, more snap decisions around whether or not I you know, can afford something or should buy something. Yeah, so I think um, I'm probably, yeah, definitely more likely to spend more money on food because growing up, you know, food's a huge part of our culture. But also I think I'm probably more likely to spend money on um, the house in general. And I think it's very much because growing up, our family's finances were very much focused on, on the household and the family rather than, you know, unfortunately we weren't able to go on family holidays and I haven't been able to travel, you know, around the world, etc. I'll go on a Kentucky tour. Um, so I love Bunnings pretty much is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thanks so much to everyone who reached out and decided to be a part of this episode. As Carmel said before, it's more of opening up the topic for discussion because this is something that I'm lucky because my partner has a visa and he's Australian citizen. But when we go to Thailand, it's a different story for me. And so I have faced those issues of making decisions based on the fact that we'd have to face a whole different set of hurdles, basically, if we moved to Thailand. And so it was refreshing knowing that people were in a similar boat where they had to deal with this sort of stuff. And I think the common theme that came across it is everyone wants independence and financial independence. And maybe that is a mark of our generation or a mark of our cultures or a mark of our experience, but it's a common theme that's coming across. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast is so that we can have that, that financial independence within a couple as well. We don't have to rely on someone else to do it for us. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, as I said, there wasn't really like a message of the day today. It was more just facilitating the conversation of different members of our community and their personal experiences. The funny thing I find is, and maybe it's because we're all interested in podcasts, finance podcasts, and yeah, as you say, financial independence, but everyone seems to have a quite similar message, which is, uh, you know, I, I don't really like credit cards. I'm going to invest my money wisely. Um, I'm not going to overspend yeah, I, I learn a lot from every interview that we do. So thanks again to those who appeared on the show today. Yeah, it's like a willingness to learn, I think, that we're, we're, we're discussing. We, we're willing to learn about different people's cultures, different people's views of money and how that can integrate into our lives. And we're also willing to learn how to invest and do all this sort of stuff by ourselves. And that's it for this episode of Meet, Pay, Love. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. As always, if you have any feedback, please email us at mpl at equitymates.com and rate and review us on your podcast platform. In the meantime, if you want to listen to a few more uh, finance-based podcasts, I recommend listening to Get Started Investing by the Equity Mates guys. I have just started really delving into this. I did listen to it once before and now I'm really delving into it to actually get started investing. And I think it's a great podcast to listen to. So would recommend that one. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye guys. See you next week. Meet Pay Love is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal or tax advice. 
The hosts of Meet, Pay, Love are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Meet Pay Love acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.